everybody, welcome to the Mikey and Friends Podcast. Week number two, this is episode number four. We're going to take a break from football today and talk about world football, European leagues, Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, Champions League, and I'm going to be joined by Eli Cooper and Sean Turner. We're going to break down a lot of the action going on this week. Uh, we have some Champions League games today we want to talk about. Uh, I want to remind you guys, Mikey and Friends is available now on Anchor, where we're hosted, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Radio Public, and we're probably going to be on Apple Podcasts towards the end of this week, maybe next week. So with that being said, we're going to bring in now Eli Cooper and Sean Turner. Joining me now, we have two York legends, two members of the FC Oaks FIFA Pro Club team that I'm on. Uh, two of my boys, we got Sean Turner and Eli Cooper. What's going on, guys? Thank you, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having us, Mike. Yeah, for sure, guys. So, a lot to talk about uh, with all the football action going on. Wanted to kick it off in the Premier League, um, especially the game on Monday we saw with United and Arsenal. This was an ugly game. It finished 1-1. I wouldn't have minded if it finished 0-0. It was pretty ugly. McTominay had the goal. That was probably the only highlight of the match. Um, you know, they were playing in a, in a downpour, so I didn't expect too much. But, man, these, these clubs do not look good right now. So I just I wanted to kind of start. What do you see mostly wrong with United and Arsenal? Uh, for me, it's it's kind of two opposite problems. United doesn't have the goal scorers. Arsenal doesn't have the defenders. Eli, what do you see wrong with those clubs? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the nose. Um, you know, United doesn't have you know, a consistent goal scorer. So the, the question about them is where do they come from? Rashford's, you know, at a young age, he's still too inconsistent to really be relied on for consistent goals. Uh, Martial is hurt right now. Right. Uh, Daniel James, who to me has been the most impressive attacker that United has. And, you know, still he's a very young kid, not ready to contribute on a consistent basis. Right. Um, and Lingard has, uh, become completely useless at this point up front totally. and So, you know, and it's a team that already lacks depth is now been decimated by injuries. Um, the back line isn't bad, but they're pretty much guaranteed to give up at least one goal. So, you know, they haven't really done a great job of, you know, keeping clean sheets. And then, like you said, on Arsenal's end, uh, they probably have arguably one of the best attacks in the league, and you can really put them up there with you know, the Man City and Liverpool when it comes to going forward. Uh, the issue with them is in the back line. Their defense is just atrocious. They're, they're, they're a team that's guaranteed to give up two to three goals a game, um, you know. And right now, that's that's really kind of the summary of, of those two once great clubs are uh, really in an awful state. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah, they're not getting much out of Pepe, who was their $80 million signing, and yeah. really money that probably should have been invested in their defense anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and now you're really not getting production out of him, uh, even with Lacazette out of the lineup. So there's got to be 
um, some way that they can get him more involved uh, in the attack. But they've got to do something about that back line. Yeah, and I agree with you, especially with United. Marcus Rashford was supposed to be the guy who took that number nine role this year and run with it. Last year under Ole Gunnar, he looked really solid. But he's just, I mean, he's at a total lack of confidence right now. Every time he touches the ball, he looks uncomfortable. They are, you know, they're struggling with depth. You know, obviously the transfer window for them was just a huge disappointment, missing out on everybody they seem to have eyes on besides Harry Maguire, who, you know, who hasn't been bad, but I, I don't think anybody would say right now he deserved to get the biggest contract ever awarded to a defender. For Arsenal, you're right, Pepe hasn't been it. Unai Emery still, you know, he, he doesn't want to play Urzo. He, he, he doesn't want to start uh, Danny Ceballos. I don't really get that either. I think they could really help Pepe. But, Sean, what do you see with these guys? Um, I think you guys did it pretty well. I agree with a lot of those points. The forwards, I'll start with the striking. Rashford was supposed to come in and be that goal scorer that they hoped that they would be with losing Lukaku in that transfer window. So that's one end of it. And then on the back line, I think that's the bigger problem. You kind of stopped the bleeding a little bit with the signing that you brought in with McGuire, but I don't think that completely solves your problem. I still think they got to fix up those full backs that they have on the wing. Yeah. Well, that the left back spot, right back spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I haven't done nothing about Lingard's positioning on, on, on the pitch really shows me that he knows what he's doing. So I don't he just looks lost out there. So yeah. your defensive line is giving up goals, like Eli said, conceding multiple goals, and they're not too high on goal difference. So that's a problem that they have. And then the lack of goal scoring just kind of doubles down on it. So, right. yeah, kind of right along what I was saying. And then with Arsenal, I think it's the same. I think the back line, the back line was not great at the end. have Socrates in there, who's good at times, but then you only bring in David Luiz, who kind of out of his prime. So that's another problem that they have. And then I believe Lacazette is a little nicked up. So yeah, the goal scoring they haven't had they haven't had any success banging in goals outside of Aubameyang. So right. getting Pepe involved, someone that he spent a whole bunch of money on in the transfer window, instead of repairing that defense, instead of getting like a bigger signing at that halfback spot instead of David Luiz, you have to find a way to get him involved. And then you have a, a guy on loan as well in Ceballos. He should be getting some time. That's the reason you brought him in. So, yeah, kind of fell on the same lines that they're not super efficient at getting many, getting many goals outside of a couple of guys. Yeah. And then that defensive line is, it just, it doesn't look good. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the, the thing with Arsenal. Unai Emery, you know, he trots Zaka out there 90 minutes a game, every game. And, he, you know, obviously we know what's going on with Urzo. He doesn't want to play him. Danny Ceballos is on the loan. He doesn't want to play him, it seems like, at least not give him a start. So I guess the question I want to ask both of you guys is really, really two questions. You know, if one of these guys is going to get sacked, who is it going to be first? Is it going to be Ole Gunnar Sochar or Unai Emery? You know, Arsenal's a little ahead on the table. But, you know, they haven't had the injuries that, you know, Lacazette's down, but United's just been tore apart with injuries. And which of these teams do you think is likely to turn it around first? I'll let you guys go first on, on this one. I'm a good um, one. Okay. 
Okay. Um, I think Manu. And the reason I say it is because you have some guys that are banged up. Martial is banged up. And he's another guy that you lean on for scoring goals. So if they're going to be giving up goals, they at least got to be able to create something on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the ones that are more likely to turn around and get it going later towards the season when everybody's healthy. You got Pogba who's been banged up a little bit too, so he's been out some time. And they just got to get them guys back, get them playing all together so they can put together some game plan to be able to score more goals. On the other hand, I think Emery, it just it's been looking bad for a while. And I mean I think it's long overdue, honestly. But that's that's my take on it, because he's been trying different things with Arsenal for a few years, so hmm. I think it might be time to switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I think if if anyone gets the boot first, it's gonna be Emery. He's had longer with this Arsenal team to try to get things turned around. Um, and, and a couple more transfer markets to really try to build the squad that he wants. And, you know, he just keeps buying attackers and attacking midfielders instead of fixing the real issue, you know, there. So if there's any, uh, you know, manager out of the two that's going to get the boot, it's going to be Emery. Um, but I think I think Arsenal has a better chance to finish higher than Man United uh, simply because Lacazette, Aubameyang, and maybe even eventually Pepe can put the ball in the back of the net enough to, you know, kind of save their back line. I just don't have the confidence in Man United to tap right now um, that they're going to get enough wins. Um, I I could really see them falling out of the top six uh, with the way that they've looked so far. Oh, that's rough. Oh, that's rough. They're going to have to get, they're going to have to get healthy and then get guys going. And I just don't, I, I think that might be a little bit too much for them, to be honest. Yeah, so as far as who I think is going to finish higher this season, I think Arsenal is going to finish higher this season just because of exactly what you said, Eli. They're you know they're going to be able to put goals on the board at a higher clip than United is. Just Masiel's hurt. Rashford clearly isn't what we thought he was going to be this year. And you know, now, now going forward into future seasons, I, I might take United's situation just because you know they have De Gea, they have Maguire. Um, you know that that kind of helps sturdying up that back line. It's a lot easier to sign a top goal scorer than it is to get a great defender. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as which manager is going to be sacked, I think if I were you know, a director of the football club, I would probably sack Unai Emery first. However, I don't know if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to make it. If they if they lose to Newcastle this week, he might be sacked. He might be sacked by Monday if they lose to Newcastle this week. That's how bad it is right now. They've got serious buyer's remorse with that guy. Ever since they gave him the permanent job, they've not been the same. They cannot. They constantly drop points, especially on the road. If they cannot get a win at Newcastle, I don't know how patient they're going to be with him. Unai Emery, you know, he's obviously been a disappointment. He's had more time. But I think with his track record, at least, you know, he he's a, a bigger-named manager. He spent that time at Paris where he had some success. I think that he might have – they might give him a full second year before they're ready to pull the trigger. You know, this is getting bad for Ole Gunnar right now. I would not be surprised if they pull the trigger on him and just try to hit the reset button. So, but uh, that's enough talking about those pitiful clubs. So 
Let's go to Harry's old team, Harry Maguire's old team in Leicester City. They look great right now. West, West Ham looks great right now. What do you guys think the chances of these guys? We'll start with Eli. What do you think the chances of either of these guys cracking the top four is? I think Leicester's going to do it. I'm going to go out on the limb mm. and say that they're going to finish top four. Um, I think they're, Jamie Vardy is in ridiculous form right now. Um, James Madison has come alive this year and really started to blossom into the you know potential player that he can be in that number ten role. Um, they've got you know a solid back line. Uh, they're a great manager. Brendan Rodgers is a great manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I think West Ham's going to fade. I don't think they'll even finish top six by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. They um, they look good right now they're, and they're hot. And given the state of you know Chelsea United and Arsenal, you know everybody has their doubts about them. They they certainly could finish top six, um, but I just I just can't picture West Ham quite finishing there. I see a collapse coming in their future. But I I think I think you can almost book Leicester in the top four with the way you know the three of the big six clubs per se are looking right now. Yeah, even Tottenham's not looking really good right now. It's really yeah, Liverpool well, and. So. Liverpool and City are in a league of their own right now, and and really you can throw Leicester in that in that group with the other four big six clubs. You know, since Brendan Rodgers took over last March, they actually have the third most points in the Premier League behind only Liverpool and City. Liverpool and City. I don't know if they're going to crack West Ham. I agree with you. I can't see them staying in the definitely not in the top four. Probably I can't see it in the top six. Leicester though, you can't tell me. I mean. United did beat them head-to-head, but looking at those squads right now, it's hard not to take Leicester. Sean, what do you think? Um, I'm going to go with, I think that West Ham, I do agree. I don't see them sticking around too much longer. Um, it's just the amount of goals that they produce. It has to be higher to be able to keep compete with those top six teams. Mm-hmm. And they're only up one. They're only one on goal difference. So you can see on the season, they're conceding nine goals and only scoring 10. So I don't really see that being able to keep up with some of those bigger clubs. Uh, Leicester looks great, though. I do agree completely. Madison looks, he's, he's playing insanely. Vardy is banging in goals. I think they look really good. I think, obviously, out of the two, that, that that's the team that will finish maybe top four, top six. Um, but you mentioned Tottenham, too. I do think they get it turned around, too, because they played so far, so far. But I think they're able to produce as some of those other bigger clubs that we're used to seeing like Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure man you just yet. I don't know. It just it just doesn't look right right now. Um with that back line being so so bad. Right. But yeah, I think I think Tottenham get it turned around and I'm not too sure about Chelsea just yet. They don't look too they don't look uh, like things are turning around just yet, but they don't look like they're losing anything just yet either. So they look. I think they'd be pretty steady and maybe crack that top six if that West Ham team does fall out of it. So that might shift. Yeah. So I guess we'll we'll, we'll stay with Leicester for now because they've got they've got to go to Anfield this weekend. They got at Liverpool. I mean, if they can hang in and and, and grab at least a point in Anfield, then I definitely think these guys are for real. I'm not sure they're going to be able to keep up with that with uh, you know Salah and those boys. So I'm probably going to take Liverpool to win. How do you guys see this one playing out? What do you think, Sean? 
Um, I think Liverpool take the Premier League this year. Oh, okay, um, okay. So you're definitely taking them this weekend. Definitely, definitely. Um, but if they, if City, because City can turn it on at any time, they score goals, as we've seen against Watford. But mm. they're a different type of quality. Like them two, like you said earlier, are in a league of their own, and then it's really just like it's they're just trailing, playing well, and far higher than the teams below them. But Man City and Liverpool are in their league of their own. So yeah. um, I really think it's really between them two and I think Liverpool take it this year. Eli, you don't think Leicester can hang in it this weekend with Liverpool? I do, actually. Um, Liverpool's been a little bit shaky in the back. Uh, They gave up three goals today in the Champions League to Salzburg. Um, They barely squeaked by in their last Premier League game last weekend um, with a win. So I definitely think Leicester's going to put up a fight in this one. I am going to go with Liverpool, though. I'm going to take them 2-1. Um, and they, they squeak out of this one with a win. But I would not be surprised if Leicester pulls up the up, pulls off the upset or at least gets a draw out of this game. Yeah, those guys are playing good right now. Anfield's tough uh, to go and get any points. But if anyone can do it right now besides City, I, th- I think Leicester's the choice. Um, so let's keep it in the big six. This will be our last topic for the Premier League. Let's talk about Chelsea and specifically our boy, the American, uh, Kristen Pulisic. He, you know, hasn't been getting a lot of time. Today, he wasn't even on the squad for the Champions League match. Um, really, the only playing time he's gotten recently was in the Carbero Cup. Um, in a blowout, he started. He played pretty well. He still hasn't gotten on the board with any goals. Eli, I know this is your guy, so I'll start with you. How are you feeling about uh, Christian and, you know, his chances of getting some playing time going forward in the Prem at least? I'm going to be frank. I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I really am. Uh, and it's because he's not even being used as a sub. Right. He doesn't even seem to be in the rotation. Um, and the bigger the bigger issue is that he got early chances. Mm. He got the entire preseason. He got the first couple of Premier League games. He got the Super Cup. And he was good, but he wasn't great. He wasn't convincing where to the point where you're like, all right, I think he's an everyday starter. Yeah. Um, like Mason Mount looked, uh, you know, scoring in, you know, three goals in his first six games. He flat out got played out, outplayed by Mason Mount, and he left the door open for when William um, got healthy again to, you know, take that other winger spot and, you know, Pedro's experience, you know what you're going to get out of him. Mm-hmm. So he kind of left the door open for those guys. And, and then what really makes it concerning for me is uh, hudson Adoy is now back. Yeah. And, um, you know, they loved him before Pulisic got there, um, and they were really waiting for him to come off of injury. And I still think um, Pulisic and, and Hudson Adore are in the future um, because William and Pedro will be on their way out. Mount can play in the number 10 role, which is mostly where they've had him, but they've also used him, you know, in that left wing spot when they go with three midfielders as well. So, you know, it's, it's going to be hard, especially this year, for him to, to find playing time. Um, you know, and I think when it comes to the U.S. men's national team, your biggest star struggling to get on the field is a concern um, for your for the men's national team and just in general for the popularity of the sport here in the states. I was really hoping, you know, he would he would you know take the bull by the horns, really get off to a great start, 
get everybody, you know, like all the American is, you know, killing it in the Premier League, the biggest league in the world. Um, and right now, he, he's, I won't, I won't say he's been a disappointment, but the situation he's found himself in is a disappointment to the point where he might have to, re, you know, request a loan, mm. um, you know, next summer or, or, or even as soon as January, depending on what kind of, um, you know, it depending on what kind of, how it plays out by then. Um, but he's, I do like his mindset. He's like, I'm just going to put my head down and work hard on in training, and hopefully that'll get him back in the squad. Um, I'd like to see, you know, I, I would like to see Lampard, you know, give him more opportunities, and because he wasn't, it wasn't like he was terrible. It right. wasn't like he was bad, but he wasn't, you know, convincing enough to obviously say, you know, you're an everyday starter. So, but you got to give him the opportunity to show you that he can do it. I think he's still. Um, Lampard's still got to show some faith in him here and there, you know, rotate the squad a few times, give him a shot and then, you know, when when Pulisic gets his, gets his shot, he's got to wow him because he has so much competition right now. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and Pulisic, he had, you know, as you said, he, he played most of the preseason. He didn't play bad. He wasn't, you know, extremely convincing but it's tough when you have that many wingers and you have a guy, you know, Mason Mount has... He's really showed a lot of class, and he's earned that spot as well as, you know, Pedro, who's a, you know, a veteran, and Hudson Ardoy's back now. It's really going to take, you know, because, you know, Christian isn't really a guy you can stick in that number 10 spot. It's probably going to have to be one of those other guys, and then that can maybe create some space for him, at least to be coming on as a sub, uh, if anything else. But, you know, Frank likes Ross Barkley at the camp spot. I... I, I think that Mason Mount could play it better, or William could play it better. You gave him the ten jersey. Uh, it seems like he hasn't been willing to do that. I'm I'm kind of disappointed as well. I, I I actually at this point wouldn't mind seeing him go out on loan. Now, you know, maybe go back to the Bundesliga. He had some success there. I could see him going to a club and, and performing. But yeah, it's it's been a little underwhelming with um, you know his impact so far. Sean, how you feeling about uh, the kid? Um, my take on it is the wingers, like you mentioned, uh, the wingers, they have a lot of wingers out there and he hasn't went out there and absolutely blown us away without he's been playing. So, um, when you have Mason Mount that comes in, another young guy, that's competition for him because he hasn't proven anything here just yet. And then you also have William who was banged up. So he's going to come back and probably play that right, right, right wing role, um, so yeah, they got a lot of competition. Uh, they got some. They got Tammy. So they got some guys to play him with. He hasn't proven that he can that he can outplay Mason Mount. And Mason Mount went out there and scored some goals, some goals early, mm-hmm. and in his couple of appearances. So it's just tough. He hasn't got the time. So hopefully, he does get more time. I'm looking for. I don't want to say it's a disappointment just yet, but I'm looking forward to. Uh, uh, Lampard going in there, mixing some things up, saying try some some other guys out there. So hopefully he finds his way in that. It doesn't look like it at the moment, honestly, because he's not even making the squad. Yeah. But hopefully that'll turn around. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. Okay, so we'll, we'll wrap up our prem talk. Um, but just because we got Sean's, you know, he he went out on a limb and told us he's picking Liverpool. I'm still taking City. So Eli, in two words or less, who are you taking to win the prem this year? Okay, okay, so Liverpool 2-1. Okay, I like that, guys. Okay, so let's uh, 
maybe we'll talk about that on a different pod. But right now, let's switch it to Syria. Um, Sean, we're gonna let you take the lead on this. Uh, go go ahead. Why don't Why don't we start and we'll give Sean his his minute or two to just let it out. What's going on with Juventus? Talk to us, Sean. Oh my goodness! Thank you. I can't wait for this segment. Juventus are in a all back crisis. Oh my All <laughs> blown crisis. You let Cancelo go in the transfer window. All right, that's fine. You still have Dalinho and you have Desilio. Desilio mm-hmm. is banged up. Dalinho is banged up. Now we're forced to play one of our wingers, even though he's playing very well in that role. May I add? At that fullback spot, I'll, uh, all right. Then you have Lobo on the left, which is fine. The lit has completely picked it up. He looks fantastic out there. The first couple of games, he looked really shaky, but James like he's settling, settling into that role well, and it's nice to see. So that's really great. Um, why are we not playing Dybala? I need to know one more oh time. Like, I just need to know why we're not playing him. You can obviously see the connection that him, Ramsey, the guy that you brought in, that you wanted to bring in and made an immediate impact that you chose over Emery in the Champions Four, so you put him into your squad. So why is he not out there playing with the best squad that you have? So when they go to that 4-3-1-2 with Ronaldo and Dybala up front, you saw the magic that they were making. They played very well off each other. So them two not being in the squad at the same time, it's frustrating because you can obviously see what they can create. They just haven't been able to bang in the goals when Dybala's out there. But if you're watching the shots, they're getting good shots on target. They get Ronaldo especially. Dybala's creating. Ramsey is playing well off of both of them. And then you have your defenders like DeLitt, Benucci out there stepping up, playing well. So I really like Quadrado at right back, to be honest. But Bernadeschi, I... I was frustrated with Brandon Deskin throughout the first part of the season just because he sometimes he just looks lost. Like sometimes I just don't know what he's doing out there out wide, right? So sometimes he looks lost and then he came through and banged in the goal. So in this most recent game in the champions. So that was nice to see. I'm hoping that he does really pick it up so he can play that spot. So we'll see how that goes. But that is Juventus in a nutshell. Juventus in a nutshell. I, I think I, I hate to say that. I think you're overreacting. <laughs> it's a, I, 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 I wouldn't call it. A, I would not call it a full uh, blown crisis. And I just, actually think you're. Just, I think you're right about Dybala. Just, no, I was just gonna say we just called up one of the youth players from the twenty three league. Yeah. Because our our fullbacks are hurt. We were having a crisis here. It's a fullback crisis. <laughs> so so now that now that we've talked about UV, let's talk about the team at the top of the table. Uh, oh, Inter Milan. Let's switch it to Eli here. How good is Inter Milan? Is there any way they can actually actually win this uh, league over Juventus, breaking that eight year run? Well, they absolutely can. Um, will they? I'm not quite ready to say that. But these players have bought into Conte's system quickly, uh, about as quickly as I've ever seen a new coach come in and implement, um, you know, a system. As you can see, Juve still hasn't quite picked up fully on Sorry Ball. They're getting there. 
um, and they're still getting wins, but um, Inter has, is in full, well, almost full stride right now. Um, they really should have beaten Barca today. They had a chance. They had a few chances in that first half to really put them away, um, yeah. and they they left the door open. And uh, Suarez had a beautiful goal uh, to level it, and then you let Messi turn and get down. Uh, you know, get a full sprint towards your back line. Of course, he's going to create something, and Suarez got his second, but. Mm. Um, I definitely think Inter, uh, defensively, they're very solid. Uh, Lukaku looks rejuvenated in, um, in Conte's system. Lotaro uh, Martinez has been great uh, since last year, and he's continued that run this year. So, um, Juve fans, sorry to close your ear, Sean. Juve uh, <laughs> fans should be very concerned about Inter. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They they definitely, you know, picking up those two United boys has been a big boost. Lukaku and Alexa both seem oh, to be yeah, yeah, they both seem to be transformed uh, under Conte. They both playing well. You know, Conte knows how to coach in Syria. He really does. Mm-hmm. They're six for six right now. They picked up all eighteen points. They look great. I'm not that worried if I'm Sean and uh, you know I'm a UV supporter. I still think at the end of the day, you know, those guys are, are, are going to be good enough to get it done. They still have the best or second best player in the world. I'm not super worried about it. If I'm a UV fan, I'm much more concerned about the uh, Champions League. But, you know, you got some reason for concern. And there's a big match this weekend. Uh, obviously, these two teams are going head to head. Sean, what are you looking for this weekend? What do you want to see from your boys? I'm looking for I'm looking for some clean play. Um, Chris Passing, decisive passes in the midfield. Obviously, the high quality standard, and of course, the late can't reach that quite yet, being so young. But that Keely holds on that back line, so I'm hoping that was solid in defense. Quadrado steps up and plays that right back role, which he does so well because he's used to that that side of the pitch. So, um, and then like I said, onto the midfield is uh, he's playing well. Uh, we tried him out at left back. That actually went fantastic, I thought. Um, he was up and down the pitch. He made some things happen on offense. So I thought that was good. But to see him back at that center man role, it would be nice to see him make some really good passes. Pianic you know, control the midfield like he usually does. He's usually always involved with that build-up play. So it's big that he plays a really good game as well. And then um, I believe he has Sammy out there too. So... Sammy came off the bench in this last game, so that was that was good. And he created a couple chances, but not too many. But uh, and onto the attackers, we just want to score some goals. We got to be able to put some goals up, and that is my take on this upcoming game. <laughs> <laughs> what's the keys? And to this? we got to win. What's the keys to this one, Eli? Well, for Juventus, it's going to be um, being more clinical in front of goals um, and in. And being a little more dynamic as far as chance creation, I think that Juventus a lot of times comes into games and they're not quite, um, you know, creative enough going forward. Uh, they and sometimes they may, they seem a little lackadaisical, um, but they seem to get up for the bigger teams in Serie A. So I think um, you know we could see them come out and create some early chances, 
Um, but I, I think this one's going to be a tough one uh, for them to to get all three points because of how um, you know tough defensively Inter can be. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, in, in this one, just to, just to throw a prediction out, I think I'm, I'm going to call a one-one draw in this one. I don't think either team comes away with the three points. Um, if someone does, it'll be, it'll. I know it's early in the season, but it's going to be one of those where you look back and say, "Wow." You know, Inter or Juve really needed those three points um, when it comes to the end of the season. That close to the race. I think it's going to be that close. Okay. Okay. I, I agree with you, Eli. I think this is going to be a really close one. And, you know, Juve is really, it's really going to be dependent on exactly what you said. The finishing has got to be there. They're probably going to hold a lot of the ball. It's just a matter of what are they going to do with those chances? They're going to have plenty. Uh, but you got to put some in the back of the net. And Ronaldo seems like right now he's probably really one of the only guys on that team who, who's capable uh, of being dynamic in the front half. It's going to be tough for them. I, I see a draw as well, uh, maybe 2-2 or 1-1. And this is going to be a close Serie A race. This might be the first uh, first really close one in a while that we've had. Um, so this is, this is kind of exciting. I, I like to see Inter uh, picking it up, giving Juve a run for their money. Yeah, and along with that, last year it was kind of similar to when uh, Juventus and Napoli, no, Inter, were back and forth around like the 84-85 mark Mm -hmm. when they were up in points late last season. So definitely something that could see happening. They're definitely a contender for that. Yeah. That's their championship, so. So let's, uh, let's go from the top two teams in Italy right now. Let's just talk for a quick second about AC Milan. They were a team who, you know, last year they showed a lot of promise. They ended up finishing, I think, fifth. Didn't quite make the Champions League, but they looked like a team who was going to come into this year with some young guys and really make a run for a top four spot, if not challenge for the league. Through six games, they're at six points. They've lost three straight. Uh, Piotic has not been as advertised this year. What's what's glaring with these guys? What do you guys think is the biggest problem right now? You start, Eli. Here we go. Well, for AC Milan, honestly, I think it's uh, with a new manager that they had come in. Yeah. Um, this roster doesn't really fit what he's trying to do, and he's trying to get you know different puzzle pieces to fit in in positions where he has some guys playing where they really haven't played most of their careers. Um, you know, and last year, uh, the, the uh, Piatek signing looked great for them. He, you know, he put 20 goals in the back of the net um, and, and really looked like he was going to become one of the most dynamic strikers in the world, mm-hmm. uh, not just in Serie A with the way that he came on the scene, um, you know, with Genoa and then carried it over to Milan. But um, with the changes that they've made, he hasn't, um, you know, quite been as good to start um, and defensively, they're not very good at, uh, mm-hmm. either. So um, I think, to be honest, his roster is a little underwhelming. Yeah. When you look at it and you're, you know, you're thinking, you know, well, who can really, you know, save this team if, if Piatek isn't um, scoring like he did last year? You got Suso, um, you know, who, who's another big name. But, you know, outside of that, it's, it's not a, a roster that you look at with a lot of confidence. 
Um, I don't see them finishing top four. No. Um, I definitely don't see top six. I, I think uh, AC Milan is is headed um, in the wrong direction. They're going to have to. It's going to take two or three transfer uh, transfer windows, you know, for them to a big spending for them to really kind of get this fixed. Yeah, yeah, you hate to see that with such a historic club, but they they just don't seem to have anything figured out right now. Sean, you you agreeing? Is this season kind of uh, kind of over and done with for AC Milan? I think so. I think so. I think they need to go in a bit of a, a rebuild mode because, yeah. like you said, Biotech isn't scoring those goals at a, a rate that he was prior to coming there. So that hasn't lived up to the hype. And then you have uh, Bonte Tura in the midfield, um, and that's not controlling much because, like you said, they're giving up goals too. So yeah, I think they're trending in the wrong direction uh, as far as uh, on the table. So that's really. That's really it for that. Yeah. Sad story. Yeah. So last thing we'll talk about in Syria, I think we all agree that UV, Inter Milan, and Napoli are, are, are the top three squads. Um, so let's talk about who we think is that going to fill that fourth spot. I'll start. I'm I'm rolling with Roma here. Uh, Dzeko has scored some goals this year. The defense looks a little bit stronger, and I really like the addition of Mickey Tarian. Uh, he's been able to create a lot for them. You know, Atalanta is right there, of course, but man, they have looked really bad in the Champions League. They've been able to take care of business in Serie A so far, but I think going forward, Roma is a is a better club, and, and I really think this might be a turnaround year for them last year wasn't what they expected but the year before that they were able to make a run in the champions league so that tells you the the type of quality club that they are you add mickey Tarian in i can see them finishing top four behind those three clubs uh sean who's your fourth club you know assuming you have those those three uh, above them i think those three are the three best clubs in Italy. And I have a hot take for you, Mike. Okay. You pick Roma, I disagree. Okay. I'm going to go with Lazio. Mm-hmm. That's so. That's who I think will come in at that fifth spot. And I think after last it comes in at that fourth spot. Okay. That's so why I have that's my okay. pick. So I switched it up for you. You thought you had me. So you have, have, so you have Roma six? Do you have Roma six then? Yeah, we will go mm. UV, answer. I think Natalie take that third spot. Atalanta, Lazio, Neroma. So you think think Atalanta holds on to their uh, Champions League spot? I think so. I think so. I don't think... I do like the transfer of Mkhitaryan coming in, but I don't think he turns too much around them. But another team that I would keep an eye out on is obviously Parma. They have to pick it up in defense, of course, Mm -hmm. to finish anywhere close. I don't think they'll get to the top six, but they can definitely hold on to like a seventh or eighth spot, which isn't too bad. And then you also have Ribery that came in with Florentina, so a couple of teams that could work their way up there towards them, but not not any that's coming close to that top top four spot. I think that's what to take that. Okay. Eli? Well, I think it's a really close race, and I think the, the three teams that we've talked about are shoe-ins for, to be in that race for the fourth spot. Um, at the beginning of the season, I had Roma finishing in that fourth spot, especially um, after the Mkhitaryan funding. Uh, they brought in Chris Smalling, who yeah. isn't the greatest, but um, really helped that back line after they lost Manolas, gave them some depth. 
And I was concerned that Atalanta wouldn't be able to keep up with them being in the Champions League. I didn't think they had quite the squad depth uh, with those added games. Um, and I thought that would hurt them. But right now, they're they're still good. They still you know look like the team that they had last year. I am going to stick with Roma in that fourth spot. I'm not as con- I'm not as um, convinced as I was in the preseason. Uh, Atalanta, you know, we'll see how they how they maneuver through the rest of these you know group stage games where they're playing twice a week rather than just in their week in their uh, league weekend games. But um, I think they finish a close fifth. I've got Lazio in sixth. I wouldn't be surprised if Lazio finished in that top four though. So. You know, all three teams have a good shot. I'm, I'm going to stick with Roma, though. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that pick a lot, Eli. Uh, you know, I really like Smalling. He helps out the back. Not the best defender in the world, but, you know, a, a much better halfback than they had back there. So, uh, I like Roma as well. Let's switch it to La Liga. Uh, we're going to let Eli take the reins on this one. My first thing I want to ask is, is Barca still the favorite? They've had some road troubles recently. Uh, right now, your boys Real are at the top of the table. How are you feeling right now about La Liga, Eli? Well, um, to answer your question, Barcelona is still the favorites, in my opinion, and it's solely because they have Lionel Messi, and no one else in La Liga does. Um, but this is this is as wide open as La Liga has been in in the last two years um, since Real last won it. So, um, and and I could I could even at this point really even see Atleti. Um, winning the league as well, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm still going to give the benefit of the doubt to Barcelona um, because they have Messi, they have Suarez, they've got Griezmann now. Um, their big issue is going to be getting those two, Messi and Griezmann, to really gel together because they're two guys who operate in the same area. Um, and we saw what happened when they had someone similar to that in Coutinho, who at least was right-footed when playing on the left side. They've got Griezmann, uh, who's left-footed. Um, you know, dominantly playing out on the left and not really being able to, um, you know, get into the areas of the pitch where he makes the most noise. He's always been his best in a strike partnership. Now he's kind of playing a winger role. Um, and with him and Messi so far, haven't had a lot of time on the pitch together to build the chemistry that they're going to need um, for them. Because to be honest, La Liga um, isn't their only goal. We all know Messi hasn't had a hasn't won the Champions League in, in a few years now, and he's hungry for that. He said it himself. So I'm still gonna I'm still gonna call Barcelona the favorites, but um, I would not be surprised if um, you know Real Madrid or Atleti uh, were able to pull it out this year. Sean, how are you feeling about La Liga right now? For La Liga, um, Barcelona, I do agree. I think they're still the favorite in this division. So. Um, the reason I say it is because they are able to score, and that partnership with Suarez, they're, they're scoring goals. It's just they're also giving up goals, and I think that comes from Antiti still being hurt. So I don't think that continues. Mm. So I, I say, I say yes, they are still the favorites. I think if not them, I don't think that Real actually wins the league. Mm. Um, I think if Barcelona doesn't win the league, I think coming in at that second spot is definitely Atletico. They're mm. not able to score as many goals as yet as Barcy and Real just yet, but they're not giving up as many. So the defense is solid, even with losing Godin. So they looked really good defensively. So I think if someone does come up with that league outside of Barcelona, I definitely think it's that pretty. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one between those two. Barca, you got to think, is the favorite, at least in this league. Um, you know, Real, Atleti, I just don't think that they're going to be able to match goal for goal with Barca when it comes down to those matches head-to-head. Um, Atleti, you know, I have that defense. They still have probably the best goalkeeper in the world right now, John O'Block. Um, but, you know, Real has looked strong, at least in La Liga. Um, we'll get to them in, in their UCL and the struggles there. But, you know, they've been able to, you know, they're top of the table right now. You know, they had that match uh, this past weekend, uh, a nil-nil draw with Atleti. I think that that's kind of what you're going to get from these two clubs when they go head-to-head. Atleti's going to be able to hold against these guys. Um, So how about, Eli, if you want to give some thoughts on what you saw with Atleti and Real this weekend, and how about you touch on Eden Hazard because he's played five games now. He hasn't registered a goal. He hasn't registered an assist. How are you feeling about that signing through five games, and how did you feel about the game this weekend? Well, the game this weekend kind of went as I expected it to be. Um, After Real Madrid lost 3-0 to PSG, they went to Sevilla and squeaked out a 1-0 victory. They played very well defensively, which was a surprise after how they looked defensively against PSG. They they quickly turned it around and didn't didn't even give up a shot on target. They went to Osasuna then and still didn't give up a shot on target, I believe, or, or only had one. Um, in that game and, and came out with a 2-0 win again, a little scoring um, and then you know, with the form that Atleti's been in as well and a team that already kind of sits behind the ball and plays a very defensive approach um, you could kind of see this one being a dud um, like it was. it was it was a pretty awful game to watch because um, both teams were just bad going forward mm-hmm. um, as for Hazard I'm, I'm still patient on him it's only been five games, and, yeah. and really this kind of run of form uh, for Hazard is it new. He's he's a guy who, you know, really what, what keeps him from being in the Ronaldo and Messi spot is his consistency. There's games, you know, and stretches where he doesn't score. You know, he, he's had more than his share of five-game goal droughts. Um, the, the no assist is slightly concerning, but... You know, in the five games that he's played, he's been subbed off multiple times as well. So you yeah. got to factor that in. Um, but you're this is a guy who, in in as far as league goals, has only gone over twenty once, and that was his last year in League One before he moved to Chelsea. Um, and then even in all competitions, he's only done it twice that same season. And then last year he had twenty one, where he barely you know he barely scraped over that threshold. So right. he's not a guy who he wasn't a guy that was going to come in and give us. 20 plus goals because that's just not who he is he's a he is a creator he's a magician with the ball at his feet and we haven't quite seen that yet um but i think fans had especially Real madrid fans had unrealistic expectations thinking that he was going to come in and replace ronaldo um you know with the number seven jersey and everything like that yeah. you know but he's not a guy that bangs in 40 to 50 goals a game he's you know we're we're really happy if we get 17 and, and double digit assists from him on right, the season right. um he was really i was i was you know looking at um you know seeing him and benzema their partnership in the attack um you know really flourishing and, the, and benzema maybe even getting more goals or bail uh getting more opportunities with those three up front yeah. um and really solidifying the attack it hasn't quite happened yet but it's only been five games so i'm not going to panic on him just yet 
Yeah, and Benzema looks good so far. I, I think that he has helped him. I think that Zidane coming back has really helped Benzema as well. Um, so let's talk about this uh, this big match coming up this weekend. We've got the two top teams in the table, Real Madrid and Granada going at it. Granada recently promoted last season. And here they are sitting towards the top of the table. They were able to pull off an actual win against Barcelona. I don't think Real's going to have any trouble with these guys. Uh, I assume you guys feel the same, Sean? Yes, yes, completely. Yes. I, I don't think this is a, a Cinderella story that yeah. happens here. I think Real comes in, uh, handles business, and walks out with this win. They had looked really good at the back um, as of lately, not giving up any goals. And like you said, Benzema has been playing well so far. Um, and then a little bit of concern there. Um, not getting any goals, uh, but he's usually creating something, creating some chances, getting some assists. So I definitely do agree that there's a little bit of concern there. Uh, but no, I don't think this, this team poses too much of a threat for yeah. Real Madrid. I think they handle business. Yeah, Eli, you feeling good about it? You guys are a lot more optimistic than I am. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. After um, you know what we saw from them in Champions League this week, which uh, I know we'll get to later in the show, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, this Granada team, you know, um, them being second on the table is kind of a testament to how bad the La Liga Giants, uh, Atleti, uh, Real, and, and Barcelona have been. Um, we've seen multiple teams take the top of the table already, so it's just kind of been a wide-open year in La Liga. Normally, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, Granada is a, as a win for us is it is an easy not an easy three points but three points um but you know you never know what real madrid team is going to show up we're going to see the one that defended like they did in that three game stretch where they didn't give up a goal or we're going to see the team that takes the team lightly gets hit on the counter twice and it down 2-0 in the blink of an eye so you know me i i don't have as much optimism as you guys do um hopefully you're i i'm hoping you guys are right and this is an easy three points for us um, because, you know, Lord knows this Madrid team needs it. Yeah. So that's that's actually, as we start our Champions League discussion, we'll, we'll just stay in Madrid. Um, so far, there are two games in the Champions League. They had that uh, horrific defeat uh, in Paris. They looked really bad. And then, you know, yesterday they had the match against Bruges where they, you know, they were down 2-0, and you know, they were able to crawl back and tie it 2-2. Um, you know, their line was so far forward. They were just on the hunt for goal. Sergio Ramos was basically playing cam. Uh, that's how far they were getting up. And they were only able to get a draw out of it. You know, I, I, I still think, you know, throughout the group stage, they're going to be fine and end up getting to the uh, knockout rounds. But, Eli, how, how worried are you about them in the Champions League? And are we starting to feel some pressure on Zinedine Zidane? and his job security, given how bad they've looked so far? So, well, I'm, I'm concerned about Real Madrid, not as far as getting out of the group stage, but um, getting bounced again in the round of 16 like we saw last year. Mm. Um, some things that were really concerning for me is, like you mentioned, the, the awfully high quality, they were almost disrespectful. Yeah, <laughs> to, it really was. With how high up, and, and they, you know, they got in behind them twice, and um, two of the goofiest finishes I've ever seen. Um, but 
you know, that's that's what happens. And there's no communication between the center backs right now, between Ramos and Veron at times. Um, the last three games they were good, but, it, you know, at times they just kind of fall off a map. Um, Courtois being subbed off uh, was a major concern to me. They, they blamed it on an illness. Um, to me, I don't, I don't buy it one bit. Um, and Areola came on and looked really good in the second half, kind of bailed them out from, um, you know, because Bruce got another breakaway early in the second half and really could have went up uh, 3-0. So uh, and he bailed him out with a great save. Uh, Modric is a shell of his former self since he won Ballon d'Or. Um, and, you know, he had an awful giveaway in our own half, and I have no idea what he was doing. Um, and the team is right now, is going forward is really dependent on you know Benzema producing a moment of magic either in the air uh, or from the edge of the box. Um, they're they're really not getting much from Hazard like we talked about earlier. Uh, Bale's not even in the team when he was. He was producing and you know he's kind of dropped off in the last uh, his last couple of outings. But um, you know if if we go back really to the last time the team won Champions League right before Ronaldo left. This team had major issues at that time. They finished third in the league, um, but they were masked by, you know, Ronaldo putting the ball in the back of the net 40 to 50 times a year. Yeah. So, you know, they their defensive issues weren't highlighted as much, um, but it was something that I talked about uh, with Sean back, you know, when when he was, uh, when, we, when that Champions League run was finished. They had no choice but to win the Champions League because they were already out of La Liga and Copa del Rey at that right. point. Um, so, you know, those issues are now being exposed in full. Um, and it's, and to me, you mentioned Zidane. It's, it's not Zidane. Um, you know, there's been three managers since the start of last year who have each had the same problem. There's uh, This team is just awful in defense. And going forward, they lack any kind of creativity. Uh, the build-up play is extremely slow. Um, no one's really able to run at defenders consistently other than Vinicius, who really has no end product this young in his career um, other than the the beautiful goal he had against Osasuna. Um, you know, we were kind of hoping that Hazard would, would kind of fix that issue. But, you know, like we said, he's not a, um, you know, he's not messy. He's not going to come in and automatically fix all the problems that uh, this team has. They have They have major issues. Um, so the the biggest issue that I would say with Zidane is maybe he's got to start sitting some of these veteran guys like, um, you know, Cruz, who at times, you know, you forget is out there. Um, Modric, who's making some awful mistakes. He's done it with Marcelo already. Nacho has been getting the start over him recently. And before that, Mendy was until he got he picked up a knock. Um, but it might be time to throw some of these new signings out there. Get, you know, play Jovic and, and Benzema together up front play Hazard underneath the two and, you know, go, maybe go to a diamond look mm. with him in the 10 role um, rather than their, their typical 4-3-3. Um, they've got to find some kind of identity because what they're doing right now isn't working. Yeah, I'm totally with you on these guys. And, and, and you mentioned how far up they were playing against Bregent. And I think um, Tim Howard on the on the BR broadcast had mentioned that it was is is disrespectful really to be even playing that far up, but I think that's just the state of where Zidane is with these guys. He you know he doesn't have he, he can't care about being respectful. If they drop that game and don't come away with with any points against those guys, in the, you know then you're talking about him seriously having some job security issues. 
you know, and, and with the way that Modric's looked, the way that Tony Kroos has looked, I think that they're really going to probably be regretting that loan they gave to Arsenal for Danny Ceballos. I think they could really use his services right now. I don't know. I, I think you're right. This is a team I think they're going to get out of the group stage. I can't see them getting much further than that, um, just based on where they're at right now. If Hazard's not creating like we know him to, I'm not sure where the the fire and the goals come from. And with that back line, they're gonna need the they're gonna need as many goals as possible. You know, Sergio Ramos has always been solid, but he can't do it by himself. Marcelo is is definitely not what he was. Um, Sean, how you feeling about Real right now in the Champions League anyway? Well, in the in the Champions League, kind of uh, to what Eli said before, um, Ronaldo, right prior to him leaving, they they had those struggles with that back line, and just they were able to uh, win some of those games with Ronaldo scoring 40, 50 goals yeah. a season. So um, that's something that they don't have now, but they do have some youth and some guys like Rodrigo, but they're not quite ready just yet to go out there and play at that level to win, um, probably beyond. The group stage, so um, that's something that they definitely definitely have to take a look at because that's obviously a concern. And you bring in a guy like Mindy, I'm thinking that he he needs to get some time to get acclimated to that system and playing at that high of a level with Marcelo on the way out. Um, and as of late, I mean, some of the defense has looked great, but at other times it looks it, look, it looks it looks really bad. And coming down to that, the game against Bruges. Um, just a simple mistake from Madra giving up that pass in, in, in his side of the field. It's, yeah. it's just a bad, it's just a bad look. So two goals from from Dennis. It, like you said, it looked goofy. He tripped both times. I don't, I don't know if that was like planned or yeah. not. But he finished both of them. Yeah, so. and then he and then he and he trolled and then he trolled. Uh, did the, the Ronaldo celebration? <laughs> and, and disrespectful. Ronaldo. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was respect for Ronaldo. It just yeah, maybe it was just different for Real Madrid fans that he left. But he gave him everything he could. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. Yeah, it was. It was actually a sign of respect. He came out and said after the game he was sad when they sold him. Yeah, um, which I think was the sentiment with a lot of Ronaldo Madrid fans like myself. So yeah, you, you hit that one on the nose. <laughs> so let's take it to the game in London yesterday. Man, oh <laughs> we saw Bayern Munich go in uh, and put up a seven-piece uh, with fries on on Tottenham. Um, Sergio Gnabry had four himself. Uh, Coutinho looked really impressive. Uh, Lewandowski had two. And this was a game that in the first half, you know, you could have walked away from that first half thinking Spurs were right in it. They played him about even. You really even, I mean, actually, when I watched the first half, it felt like Spurs easily could have had a, a 3-2 lead or, or at least a, you know, a tie game. And then the floodgates just opened. And Gnabry, you know, he just absolutely snapped. I really love this Bayern team. I, I know that I, I've been talking to Sean and, and Eli, you guys both, about how I've been high on this team for a couple weeks now. I really like what they're doing. Coutinho is back to himself. You know, he's a guy that can get out in space. And really in Barca, it was kind of just repetitive with, with him and Messi and some of those other guys. There wasn't really a lot of room for him to do his thing. Seems like he's finding a groove. And Lewandowski now is kind of in this stage of his career and with this team where, you know, 
this game yesterday, he only really had maybe 12 to 15 touches all game, but he's able to make a huge impact when he does touch the ball. Um, they, they were playing out of the back especially well. They really just put on a clinic uh, in London. As far as the Spurs, they looked you know, absolutely overwhelmed on the back end, especially in the second half. I don't know if those boys were tired, but they were just a step slow on really everything. You know, Hugo Lloris is not what he always, uh, once was. And the Spurs are, 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 there's a lot of room for concern with the Spurs, especially with that back line. Um, you know, I didn't get what Pochettino was trying to do. You know, it seemed like Ndombele was really running, they were really running everything through him in the first half. And he, he was pretty much their most important player as far as getting forward, uh, playing out of that midfield. He was subbed off. Harry Winks was playing almost a, a defensive midfielder role, which, you know, obviously that's not something he's suited for, and it showed in this match. Bayern, you know, hats off to him. They looked amazing. Uh, Sean, give me your thoughts. What would you think of that 7-2 game? My thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts. Man, Serge Navi, that was that was some type yeah. of performance. Yeah, um, yeah you, we've been talking for a little bit. You've been really high on Byron. Um, here's my here's my critique on them. They looked amazing. I don't have one right. negative thing to say about them. They have Joshua Kimmich playing that center mid role, and he shows off his passing ability every single time he steps out there. And then you have Provide that's out there in that fullback spot out wide right who's playing really well. You brought him in. And then you had Boateng in there. Uh, Boateng in there uh, kind of controlling yeah. that back line. So they look, they look really great, Alaba. Um, a team that I would kind of compare them to in a sense would be Liverpool because mm -hmm. they have both of those, those backs, those fullbacks that they have that are able to get off the pitch. Yeah. And they're Challenge to the passing. So, yeah, you've been really high on them for a while, and it really showed in this game. Um, Lewandowski looks, he looks, he looks super informed. He's just banging and goes left and right. So, he looks great. Um, down on the Spurs, and that back line just doesn't, it doesn't look good. They were just getting beat. Now he was uh, getting balls in behind. Lovely touch on his fourth goal, I believe. He mm -hmm. just, it was beautiful how he handled that. And they just weren't, they weren't able to keep up. It almost looked like they were going to, um, kind of get back into it after Harry's penalty. So um, after that, it like you said, the floodgates just completely open and Brian turned it on. So with them being able to score goals like that um, and be able to defend as well as they did, even with giving up two goals, I think it looks really good for them this year. Um, I know you're going to later, we're going to talk about the Thompson. I have a, a really good list for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gnabry, I mean, and, and he had those four, and it wasn't like any of them were, you know, just happens. All four were clinical finishes. Here's a guy, you know, he was at West Brom. He really couldn't even get on the pitch there. Goes to Arsenal, didn't work out, so he goes home to Germany, and he has just flourished. Um, even with the international team, he's scoring goals. This is a guy, you know, a lot was expected of him this year. You know, Bayern... Didn't exactly have the transfer window that people were hoping for. You know, obviously they wanted to bring in Lee Warsane. That didn't happen. Uh, so, so people thought maybe this wasn't. You know, obviously they were going to be a force in Bundesliga with uh, BVB as the only real competition. Um, but in Champions League, I don't think people were as high as them. You know, if Gnabry's playing like that and Lewandowski's doing his thing, I think they're a real contender. Um, 
What, what, what do you think, Eli? Well, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon with you, Mike. This okay. Bayern is scary. Yeah. Uh, Lewandowski right now is undoubtedly the best striker, pure like pure number nine striker in the world. Yeah. Uh, Ten goals in his first six games in Bundesliga. Um, you look at the first goal he scored in this game, loose ball in the box. He gets a one touch, just gets a half a yard of space and puts it to the bottom right. Um, and, and Larice had no chance. Um, Coutinho looks rejuvenated. We, I, we're seeing shades of Liverpool Coutinho out here uh, because he's back in his natural role uh, in that free room, number 10 spot. Um, and Serge Gnabry just abused Aria on that left-hand side. He got in behind him every single time. Um, him and Kingsley Coleman looks like they switched it up this game normally. Kingsley's on the left and Gnabry's on the right. Um, and, and boy, did Nabry just continuously get be, get in behind him the entire game. And, and like you said, all of his finishes were clinical to the point where, you know, Larice had no chance at saving any of them, really. Yeah. Um, the, the one issue with Bayern is that back line. Um, they had a lot of changes, mostly, is the, is the concern. Not the quality back there, but mostly, you know, getting those guys to gel. They have Lucas Hernandez and Pavard that came in. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, and then you know, obviously they let go Matt Hummels, and both things are banged up to start the year. So, um, you know, just getting those guys to go, if they can do that, um, you know, th- I think this Bayern team has a strong chance at uh, winning the Champions League this year. Um, and as for Tottenham, uh, when this game opened up, like you guys said, they really did uh, have the early chances. Son got the first chance; he got it behind uh, on his left foot. Nora made a pretty good save, um, and then he got his second one, just this time on the right, got in behind the defense, and he, he finished it to the bottom left, uh, which, you know, they really could, if he, if he finishes the first one, you know, you're, you're looking at a 2-0 game, and then, um, you know, Kimmich puts that uh, beautiful curler to, to the left, uh, left-hand side, yeah. and uh, Bayern just kind of, Bayern just kind of opened it up from there, especially after uh, Lewandowski's first goal, so... Um, yeah, like you said, Harry Winks in that defensive mid spot concerns me. Um, their their back line has been atrocious. Um, the fight that we normally see in Tottenham, you know, they were they were Atletico Madrid. You know, they used to be similar to them, where you knew, you know, where was putting seven goals up on Tottenham was just something that was never going to happen. Uh, but this team just doesn't seem to have the same fight. It might be time for a lot of these guys like Erickson, uh, you know, kind of move on and even punch himself. I think. He's been a little bit frustrated with upper management, not being able to get him the player he, he feels he needs. Yeah. Might be different for him to move on to um, a bigger club where he can implement uh, his tactics that, proven, that have proven to work. Yeah, and, and this is the thing here. So, you know, we talked about EPL earlier. I really think, like, this is what separates Liverpool and City from the rest of the, you know, the Spurs, Arsenal, in Chelsea, I'm not going to put United in there because I think they're so far behind. But, you know, when you got Spurs, you know, Chelsea and Arsenal, those teams can get forward with some of the best of them. But they just don't have the back line that Liverpool and City have. You know, Liverpool with Virgil and those two fullbacks. City with, you know, we know what they can do in the back line. We know how solid they are. That's really the difference and what keeps those teams you know, a notch above the rest in EPL. As far as the rest of the, you know, favorites, 
in Champions League. Most of them took care of business this week. City, UV, Paris, Atleti, um, all got wins. Barca got a win today against Inter. Uh, Eli, you had mentioned about that um, match earlier today. They were able to come from behind and get that win. So they all took care of business. We talked about Bayern. You know, who, who, what two or three clubs do you like, you know, are, are your early favorites to win? I guess I'll start. You know, obviously I'm going to put Bayern in there just from the sheer class they showed yesterday. I'm going to put um, City in this group. I know they haven't had Champions League success in recent years. I think that this is finally the year that Pep is focused on that. I think most years he, he really focuses on winning the Prem and he doesn't always play all his, his top guys in the Champions League matches. I think that changes this year. He's got something to prove and City is going to be a top contender. And I'm also going to put Paris uh, in that top three. The way they dismantled Real, they're only going to get better when Neymar and Mbappe and Cavani are all back. They're going to be a force to reckon with. Um, I like Herrera in the midfield. He was a good addition. Um, so how about Sean and then Eli? Go ahead and give me your top three favorites in Champions League uh, going forward. Top three favorites in order. Yeah. Number three, you have Manchester City. Okay. And the reason I say that is because, like you said, I think, I think Pep's focused on the champions this year. Um, you won the prep two years running. I think we understand that you you can get that job done. Now it's time to go get himself a champion. So I think that is what he's he's shooting for this year. Because last year you could see that he was focused on the prem. He was out there playing um, Leroy, and then you have Raheem sitting. So the cause for a little bit of concern there. So I obviously saw that he was shooting for the prem. So. Number two, I have Byron, actually. I'm really, yeah. I'm really high on Byron. They, they, the game that they just had, it was, just, it was simply magical to put up seven goals on, on a team like that. And then number one, I have Liverpool. That's uh, my favorite for the top three. But I have Juventus coming in at four. I, I disagree mm-hmm. a little bit with you on the fourth spot. Yeah, PSG uh, in your three spot, but I think they're more fit. So. Yeah, what about you, Eli? Yeah, I, I've got the same order as Sean, actually. I, I still think Liverpool is the favorite. I think they have the best combination of attack, midfield, defense, um, and they're going to get Allison back in goal. Um, and I, I think it's theirs to lose at this point. Yeah. Um, I would have City up there at the top, uh, but the Laporte and John Stones injury, um, you know, hopefully we'll see how those guys uh, get acclimated when they get back. But. Um, and then I, I have them at three, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sticking with Byron at second. I almost put them up over Liverpool with the way that they decimated um, Spurs uh, this week. I don't want to overreact, though. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I honestly, I, I, there's not much there's not much to not like about yeah. Byron right now. Yeah, they look great. Yeah, and, and just, uh, you know, Liverpool, obviously, they won it last year. The reason I don't have them in the top three for this Champions League list is actually the opposite reason that I have City. I think that this is the year that Liverpool is like, okay, we need to win the Prem. We can't let this go. You know, they're going all in on the Prem this year. I really think that they're going to do what City did last year. Maybe I'm not saying they're going to, you know, play the play the backups like City did, but I think their main attention is going to be on bringing home that Prem. It's been a while for Liverpool. 
Um, so I can see that. That's the only reason I had them out of the top three. So I can see that. Let's go kind of piggyback on this. I want to hear right now as it stands, top ten clubs in the world. Let's start with Eli. Ten to Let's one. Let's go, cool. Let me in. So we'll start um, at number ten. I have Atletico Madrid. Um, I think going forward uh, in attacks, they're not quite as convincing. Uh, in defense, you know what you're going to get out of them. Uh, at number nine, I have uh, probably a shocker, but Ajax. Okay. Continuing some of the magic that they've had uh, or that they had from last season. Um, I think it's a shoe-in that they win uh, here at Divisi. Um, but I think they make some noise in the Champions League this year. Uh, Ziyech still looks great. Neres is still in great form. Um, so Van de, they still they still got Van de Beek. So even though they've lost De Jong and uh, De Ligt, I do think Ajax is still a team to watch. And eight, uh, my Los Blancos, Real Madrid. Uh, we haven't been very convincing. Um, there's it's been in spurts, which I it's more than I can say for last year. Uh, we've looked good in spurts, so we'll see. Um, and still sitting top of the table, so I give them the benefit of the doubt at number eight. Uh, number seven, Barcelona, right above them. Again, another team that hasn't been convincing um, and a team that, uh, you know, if if Messi continues to have injury problems, could easily fall out of this top ten. Um, there's uh, At number six, I have PSG. Um, really, I think they would be higher on this list. Like you mentioned, Mike, they, they're not quite fully healthy. Uh, Cavani still isn't back. Mbappe's still kind of coming off the bench and, and – uh, getting back into um, form. So I have them down at number six for now. Uh, number five, um, a team that we spoke highly of earlier, Inter. I think, um, you know, obviously defensively they're solid. I, um, you know, I, and I understand Barcelona beat them earlier today, but I think that, I do think that was a game Inter should have, uh, should have won. And number four, I have Juve. Um, I, I would like to see them higher on this list as a Ronaldo fan. Um, and I still do have, um, confidence in them. I think they just need to kind of work out some of the chemistry kinks that they have um, right now. And number three, I have Man City. Um, you know, back line again, decimated with injuries, uh, which they were already thin at the center back spot. So, um, you know, I think that drops them a little bit. Number two, uh, definitely Bayern. They've looked strong, top of the table in Bundesliga. Um, and then, you know, decimated um, Spurs in, in this week's Champions League. And number one, I think um, most people would probably agree we got Liverpool. Yeah. Again, they look well-rounded team uh, front to back. They, you know, they're going to put up goals. Um, they're highly likely to keep clean sheets. And I think they're just, um, I think they're just continuing, you know, the success they've had over the last two years. Solid list. I don't know, man. You really have Madrid in the top ten still. That seems like a little bias. It is a little uh, bit. I had in my honorable mention. I had Leipzig and Dortmund. Okay. Um, so I was gonna say I think Leipzig deserve a mention. They're they're top of the table, which is really the reason I in La Liga, which is why I still had the top ten for now. True. Uh, you know, obviously that can change, but true. Sean, you want to give yours? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I have lost a little bit different than that. So uh, number 10, Ajax. 
sorry, the Real Madrid boys are no longer in my top ten. I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, then coming at you, number nine. Oh, Zayac, like I said, the ball moving on the team. Zayac is amazing. Vanderbeek is really good. Um, you just got guys up there making stuff happen even with losing those guys that you did in the transfer window. Uh, moving on, number nine, I have Inter. Uh, number eight, I have Athletic. And then I have the BVB boys at number seven. Then I got PSG at six. Farsi at five. I think, they're, I think they're a little bit more capable than PSG, so that's what I think about in Paris. So uh, then I have Juventus. Man City, Bayern, and of course at the top, Liverpool defending that crowd. So that's my ten. Real Madrid. Sorry, you're out of there. Sorry, so, so I just want to I just want to make sure that I have all this right. UV is in a crisis, but they're <laughs> the fourth best club in the world. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Okay, gotcha, yes, gotcha, yes, gotcha, gotcha. Yes, gotcha. I just want I just wanted to make sure we were clear on that. We're in a crisis. <laughs> We're a little exaggerated, but we need that yeah. fix, man. Yeah. So far, it's going well. So, so I'll, I'll just give my ten quick. Uh, I had ten. I actually put. I put Leicester City here. They were just Leicester. playing. They're just playing so well. I think they deserve to be in it. You know, it was between them and Leipzig for me. Uh, but I went with them. I'm not sure how long they they stay up here. So I figured I'd give my shout out this week. Number nine okay. at Letty. Eight. I went with Ajax. Seven. I put Inter. Um, okay. Six, I went with Juve, so just right ahead of Inter. Um, five, Barca. Four, PSG. Three, Bayern. Two, City. And one, Liverpool. And, and, and City would normally be ahead of Liverpool for me if it weren't for the injuries on the back end. I like that. That's a, that's a really good list. Yeah. Like, uh, I think you're a little bit low on my guys, though. Yeah, so, like, there's there's a there's a crisis right now, man. It's a crisis. <laughs> you gotta you gotta stay cool. <laughs> all right, so that's pretty much all the football talk we wanted to get to today. I'm gonna ask you guys. I know we all got the new FIFA. Uh, Sean, start with you. Then we'll go to Eli. How are you feeling about FIFA 20 versus FIFA 19? It was well documented. All of the uh, glitches and fuck ups in FIFA 19. <laughs> uh, have we shown him? Have we? Do we have improvement? Um, I say yes. I okay. say yes. The reason is is because they slowed it down a little bit. Yeah. And this FIFA, opposed to last FIFA, um, and they always seem to kind of slow it down each year. But uh, coming from eighteen even into nineteen, it just felt a little bit slower. And this time they slowed it all the way down. Yeah. Um, the shooting dynamics they made it a little bit more difficult, which is good. Uh, but they made the one-on-one chances a little bit easier, which I like because these guys are world-class. They should be finishing at a high rate. So that's something that's really good. They just came out with the first patch, which kind of uh, stopped the rebound goals that were happening so often. So that's something that they fixed early on already. Um, I'm wondering to how they cater to the professionals and see what they'll change later in the year. But uh, stay tuned on that. But I like this one so far. I think it's I think it's a really good one. Yeah. Um, you know we got to get back from the clubs here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready for clubs tomorrow. FC tomorrow, Oaks. FC Oaks is back. We back at it. We back. We back. Eli, what do you think about it so far? What you think, cool? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, I think the ball physics were the biggest improvement this year. Um, Dribbling is a little more realistic. Defending is a little more realistic um, because of those ball physics. I think that's been the biggest uh, improvement. I'm a career mode guy, mm. um, so the changes that they've made there with kind of 
um, you being more responsible for managing morale um, was a big improvement. Um, I still think career mode needs some help with um, them having teams like Barcelona finish outside the top six and things like that. Um, so there's uh, as far as simulation goes, I think they could probably make that a little bit more realistic in career mode. You said but, Barca's uh, finishing outside the top six? Yeah. It's, oh, it's my like, God. Oh, my. Like like you guys told me it was better. You Barca. told me it improved. Yeah, that, mm. if the simulation, as far as the simulation hasn't improved, like, mm. um, you know, and, and Messi is consistently is like never in the top, like, scores, and, you know, it just, it's kind of random the way, it's a little too random the way that the simulation goes on, you know, teams that are <laughs> not playing yeah. again, you know, what I mean, all the time. So I think that's something that they still didn't quite fix. But um, as far as like your individual team, giving you a little more management over the morale was cool. Um, the layout is is a lot better looking as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's still, you know, and no, no video game is perfect, but it, I would say FIFA 20 is, um, is a much better than FIFA 19. Cool. All right, guys, well, that's pretty much all we're going to get to today. Uh, this was fun. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to do this again yeah, real soon. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. See you. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to the Mikey and Friends podcast. Again, we're available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor. You can find us on Twitter. Hit me up. Let me know what you guys want to talk about. I'll talk to you next time.